Well, God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. In our book, we've been learning about the character of God. And part of the way this book is structured is it goes through the false narratives of the things that people believe that are wrong about God, and then it pulls in Jesus' narrative of what He says God is like. And so it's very important. Last week, we found out that God is good. And, uh, you know, what we talked about the false narrative in the world is that, um, you know, God isn't going to punish you every time you sin, every time you fall down, every time you fail. You know, there's some people that say, you know, I can't go to that church. I'll burst in the flames when I walk through the door. No, you will not burst in the flames when you walk through the door. Amen? God is good. He loves you. He's made a way for you to be in a relationship with Him. And uh, that is what we talked about last week. Pastor Peter did a great job on that. Today I'm talking about God is trustworthy. That word just means able to be relied upon, honest or truthful, worthy of confidence, dependable. How many would think that that is a true definition of God? I, God is, I can have confidence in God. I, I can have, you know, I, God is dependable. I believe in God. I know that He's that thing. But if you're like me, sometimes, you know, things happen in our life that the confidence we have in God, the trustworthiness of God gets shaken. Has anybody ever been there before? That sometimes that confidence, you're like, God, where are you going? What are you doing? What are you up to? And even in our world today, I, I, I'll get lots of people that will say this to me. If your God is so good and your God is so trustworthy, why do bad things still happen? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there sin? Why is there disease? Why do these things go on? And I understand those questions, those disasters, those tragedies, even what we're facing in our world today. Where is this good and trustworthy God but all throughout history, mankind has had tough times of testing that narrative. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Faith that is untested is not faith. It cannot be faith until it is tested, and that's very true. You know, God is saying to us, where are you going to put your confidence? Jesus understood this, though. He understood that it would be tough to trust Him through these times. So he warns us and he tells us in this great little scripture, little awesome scripture, John 16, 33. Listen to it. He says, everything I've taught you is so that peace, which is in me, will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. I mean, I've never seen a fridge magnet with that one on. I've never seen a bumper sticker on the back of the car ever on this verse. You're going to have some problems in this life. Enjoy your day. No, it's not. that's never been there. I've never seen that bumper sticker or fridge magnet in your homes. So we need to understand that we're going to go through some stuff. But is God trustworthy in the midst of it? Well, let's pray and find out what it means to anchor ourselves on the journey of building faith to trust in God's goodness and faithfulness. Father God, help, help us to hear your voice, to see what you want us to see, to understand. Lord, you have something to speak to us today. And I pray that we will have those spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond to you. We pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. Amen?
and amen. Well, if you read the Bible, uh, every character in the Bible, I can say every one of them, and I don't think that's an exaggeration, uh, every one of them goes through times of testing and trials that make their faith become real. You think about Abraham, who was promised uh, a son and yet waited 25 years for that to come to pass. You think about jo- uh, Joseph. He was told, oh, your, your, your brothers are going to bow down to you. Even your mom and dad are going to bow down to you. And he's all excited. He shares the dream. They're not too excited, so they sell him into slavery. Not good. David anointed to be king as a young man. He's anointed. He's like, great, I'm going to be king one day. Oh, no, no. Now he's getting chased by the current king for 15 years. He's chased and he's running away and he's hiding in caves and stuff. He's like, God, I thought you told me I was going to be king. Yet he goes through this difficult time. Every character in the Bible had to endure hardships and trials in order to build their faithful trust in God. So what is the journey of growing in trust with God? Here's number one. This is good news, but it's hard. Reveal to God what you're thinking and feeling about your current situation. Be honest. Be honest. Now, do you understand that not only people in the Bible, listen to me, not only people in the Bible went through these times of testing, but how many of you know the nation of Israel in the Bible went through times of testing? The entire nation. And I can say that the world today is going through a time of testing. And so, let me tell you a couple of those stories. One of them is in Habakkuk. So Habakkuk, the book that nobody ever reads, but Habakkuk basically, uh, he, he is like, he's lamenting how bad things are in his nation. Now, follow me with Habakkuk, okay? Habakkuk is this guy. He is in, he's a prophet, and he was king during, or sorry, he was prophet during King Josiah. So King Josiah is this godly king. He leads the nation back to God. The nation is prospered. The nation is blessed. Everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, his sons show up, and it's not good. They take over from Josiah, and they start to lead the nation away. And now, now the nation of Israel is surrounded by the Babylonian Empire. They're about to be taken captive. Things are not good. So this is now him speaking to God. Listen to this. God... How long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to my rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. That's in the Bible. You know, we like the, as the deer panteth for the water. That's nice. Dang, Lord, this is in the Bible. (laughs) You ever feel like that? Justice, it's a joke. That's the title of this passage. Justice is a joke in our world today. Now listen to what Habakkuk's really saying. God... You're not moving the way I want you to move, and you're not doing what I want you to do. Maybe it's just me. But have you ever been that honest with God? Have you ever been that honest with God? Yet this is the Bible calls us to this place of revealing our honest brokenness before the Lord. I'm going to share with you a story in my own life. And uh, of that moment for me when that trustworthiness of God was called into question. So most of you, you know, if you don't know, I'm just going to tell you about 
10, 11 years ago, I was diagnosed with MS. And so in that battle with MS, I, I just got rock hard serious about seeking God. I just pursued Him with a passion and a craziness that was just like, I was fasting at least two days a week. I was praying morning and night. I was listening to worship for probably an hour and a half every single night, just worshiping God. I, I read the Word. I confessed every sin I ever committed and never thought about committing. People thought I was weird. I ate grass. I did everything I could do to be healed. Are you following what I'm saying? It was pursuing God with this passion. And the more I pursued Him, the less I felt Him. And for probably close to five years, I did not sense the presence of God. I was your pastor at that time. Now, I still heard him when it came to sermons and stuff, but for me personally, I just was not connecting with God. And, and I was getting exhausted, and I was getting tired. And I remember I was in Dallas, Texas, away on a retreat. I was taking a course on spiritual formation and I was on a one-on-one -on -one with one of the professors, and he says, Greg, what's God doing in your life right now? And for the first time as a pastor, after five years of battling this, I said to him, I don't trust God right now. Dang. Let's do a Bible study together. No, no, it was just that shocking moment of confessing that to God, confessing it to this person. You know what was amazing? That weekend, I had an encounter with God as I've never had before in my life. I'm not going to share that until the end of the message, so you have to stay for the whole thing. <laughs> it's, pastor, it's sneaky, sneaky. I know. It's so good. Don't leave, though. It's really good. And... Uh, <laughs> So, guys, this is the story. You have to come to a place of brokenness. I was doing everything I could do to be healed. I was doing it all right, I thought, and I was pursuing God, I thought, but yet there was this dark night that I was living in and experiencing, and it wasn't until I was totally honest with God about that that I, I received a breakthrough. Listen to the psalmist David when his friend betrays him. God, listen to my prayer. Don't hide your heart from me when I cry out to you. Come close to me and give me your answer. Here I am moaning and restless. I'm preoccupied with the threats of my enemies and crushed by the pressures of their opposition. My heart is trembling inside my chest as terror of death seizes me. Fear and dread overwhelm me. I shudder before the horror I face. I say to myself, if only I could fly away from all of this. If only I could run away to the place of rest I could run far away where no one would find me escaping into my wilderness retreat. Anybody ever prayed this prayer during COVID? I'm sick of this place. I'm going to go buy something, and I'm going to go live on the land, and we're going we're to be totally separated from it. I can't handle this anymore. Anybody else have ever prayed that prayer? Hang on. Just carry on. So... I'm trying to show you a picture here that in the Bible, they're revealing, they're revealing, they're being honest with God. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm really thinking. This is what I'm really fa facing. I'm questioning your trustworthiness, God. So where do we go from there once we revealed that truth? Well, here's the second point. Remember God's trustworthiness in your past. See, the journey of trust requires us to be truthful, then leads us to recall and remember and celebrate God's trustworthiness in the past. Recall, 
remember, celebrate. What is this weekend? Thanksgiving. What is the job of this weekend? To give thanks. Do you know that in Canada in 1950, the parliament actually declared that Thanksgiving Day is a day to thank Almighty God for His bountiful provision. This is actually documented in our records that Canada declared Thanksgiving Day a day of celebrating and thanking the Almighty God for His provision and favor upon us. We've drifted from that point. That's another sermon for next week when all the people that are politicians are here. (laughs) You'll have to come back for that one now. This is great. See, if you study the book of Habakkuk, it's only three little chapters, but Habakkuk, he just indicts God at the beginning. He's like, I'm freaking out. Justice is a joke. And then at the end, he's like, God, I remember now. You have been faithful to us. You delivered us from Egypt. You, God, you've provided for us. God, And he goes through this litany of things that he can trust God on. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. And so that's what he does. He goes through this. Even 150 years earlier, there was another prophet named Isaiah, and they were about to be scattered. The northern tribe of Israel was about to be scattered by a nation called Assyria, and it was bad, you guys. Stuff was going down, and they're freaking out. They're like, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you in their nation at that time? And that's when the prophet Isaiah speaks. And listen, this isn't going to come out of your screen, but listen to what he says. God actually speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heaven. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, O Mournville? Why do you say, O Sturgeon County? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded from my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So God speaks back to his people. He says, you you, you ask me a question, I'm going to ask you a question. Who am I? And so God in this passage lays out his transcendence. That's his bigness. His awesomeness, his godness, okay? He's talking about omnipotence, that he's all-powerful, that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, that he's everywhere all at once. He is immutable. He is unchanging. And we're all going, yes, 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 this is good news. God transcends this situation, transcends my problems. But you know what, Pastor Greg? It still sucks to be where I am right now. And so this omni-god, we can't, relate to the transcendent one. So guess what his son did? He deepened the narrative by bringing him close, and God becomes imminent. That's what Jesus did. They're not getting the fact that you're this big God, Father, so I'm going to go down, and I'm going to reveal to them that you are a good, good Father. That's my job. You see, Jesus revealed God as a father that is as close as the mention of his name and that he is good and he is trustworthy. Hallelujah. 
See, this is the central revelation of the New Testament. The very thing that the New Testament comes to reveal, guys, more than anything else, is the Father heart of God. And not a bad father, a good father. By the way, the way you define what a father is is not based on your experience of fatherhood. I had a good father, but he wasn't perfect. That's not my experience of what the Father God is like. How I define what Father God is like is by Jesus' revelation of who he is. Because he's always good. And he's always trustworthy. That's the New Testament revelation. Jesus set out to destroy the false narratives about God as Father, even from religion. And he began to display who God really was like. I want you to understand, even just the Lord's Prayer, the simple Lord's Prayer, 67 words that change the world, those 67 words reveal the Father heart of God powerfully and beautifully. Just think of it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father. You're part of a family. Our. You're part of something bigger. You're not alone in what you're going through. You're part of, there's a whole group of you together. Our Father. He's adopted you. He's brought you into his kingdom. Who art in heaven. That word heaven doesn't mean somewhere out there. The word heaven to the Hebrews meant as close as the mention of your name, the very air that I breathe. God, you are present in my present circumstance. You are not far from me, God. You are here in thy moment right now. This is the very opening of the Lord's Prayer. And he says, hallowed be thy name. God, you are famous. You are awesome. You are holy, God. I trust you, Lord, because you're trustworthy. And your name reveals more and more and more. Do you know that in the Bible there are hundreds of names of God that are being revealed? Think of some of them. That you are shelter in the time of storm, that you're a strong tower, that you're an ever-present help in the time of need. You're our counselor. You're our comforter. What do you need God to be? I'm telling you, He's everything you need Him to be, and He's right there. He's present. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means He's powerful. He owns a kingdom. (laughs) He's a king. And guys, it's a kingdom that's better than the kingdom of this world. Why? The kingdom of this world is disappearing. It's shaking. It's crumbling all around us. If you don't see that, wake up. But there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, an eternal kingdom, and God is bringing that kingdom to come on the earth as it already is established in heaven. What a good prayer. You powerful God, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He provides for us, church. He pardons our sins and iniquities. By the way, parents, you're going to have to learn to pardon these kids. You're going to have to learn to love them. You're going to have to learn that there are times when you're going to say, man, you shouldn't have taken that cookie. Like, what are you doing? That was my cookie. (laughs) Amen? Amen? He provides, he pardons, he's a good father. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He protects us in the world that is too powerful for us. us. And though we suffer problems, accidents, trials, God gets the last word. Nothing happens that God cannot redeem. This is one of the questions in the book of the six aspects of the nature of God as father, present, pure, powerful, provides, pardons, protects as seen in the Lord's Prayer, which do you need most to see and understand about God? It's a good question, isn't it? I don't see this part of you, God. I don't see this part of you, God. I need to grow in this part of you, God. That's okay. 
So you recall, be honest with God. You're to remember, celebrate the things you can celebrate where he's been trustworthy. Here's the third one, tough one. Relinquish control and trust God in your everyday moments. What do you see on the right board? What do you see? A coffee, yeah, hurry up, coffee. Turkey, no, you see coffee. You see a cup. (laughs) You see a cup. You see, guys, listen, Jesus had a cup as well. How many of you know that you have cups in this life? You have things that you're going to have to drink. They're not pleasant things, but they're part of life. You know, Jesus called God Father. The word in the Greek is pater. He called him Father over 175 times in the New Testament. Called him Father, revelation of God, New Testament revelation, Father, heart of God, Father, heart of God. But there's one time, only one scripture, where Jesus changes the name from Pater to another name, which is even deeper, more intimate, more incredible. Only one other time Jesus calls him Father, but he calls him by the name Abba, which means Daddy. Do you want to know when he called him Daddy? Let me read it to you. Mark chapter 14. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little further ahead, he fell to the ground and he prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup away from me. But please, not what I want. What do you want? Jesus didn't even want to drink the cup that was in front of him, you guys. Jesus didn't even want to drink the cup, the cup of sin, the cup of the bitter dregs of the brokenness of humanity, the cup of separation from his Father. But yet he drank that cup because he knew it would mean that I would not be separated from his Father and my sins would be taken care of. And so even though he didn't want to drink that cup and he was honest about that cup, he still drank it. Right down to the bitter dregs. How about you? You see, we all have cups to drink, you guys. We all have cups to drink. Jesus, in the deepest moment of trial, teaches us the incredible narrative that God is with us through it all. God, Papa, we're facing bitter cups right now in this life. Habakkuk was honest about the bitter cup he had to drink. And he didn't like what he had to drink, and he didn't like what his nation went through. But listen what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Wow. David betrayed by his friend and 
feeling heartbroken by that and where's God, where's God, where's God? Psalm 55 says this at the end. So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord and measureless grace will strengthen you. We did a baby dedication today and all you fathers and mothers, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this and I know this, uh, you would lay down your life for your child in an instant. It wouldn't even be there wouldn't even be a split second of hesitation. You would do whatever you could to protect that child. And yet, part of life is that you need to understand is that you cannot be there every time. You cannot rescue them every time. You cannot keep the cups that they're going to have to drink because it's part of life. You can't go to school when your six-year-old gets bullied by another six-year-old and beat up the six-year-old. You can't do that. I know, I know, I'm glad I clarified that. I felt that in my spirit was for somebody here today. You can't do it, <laughs> right? You guys get that, right? I'll stop for a minute. No, you understand. There are things in life that you're not gonna be able to protect your kids from, and as a matter of fact, you can get in their way and you can cause more damage by trying to keep every bit of hardship off their life. It's part of life, you guys. You're dedicated yourself and your child today to God, but I want you to understand the greatest part of dedication is this. You're saying, God, I need to teach this kid to trust you when I'm not there. Amen? That's your greatest thing you're going to teach your kid. When my daughter was in, on missions trip in, where was she, honey? Nepal. Sorry, she's been, she's been all over the world, so I had to recall which one she was at. She was in Nepal, and um, earthquake hits. Kathmandu's devastated. Tens of thousands of people are dead. We cannot contact our daughter. She's there. <laughs> we have no way of knowing if she's alive, dead. And I'm in prayer meeting in the morning, and a lady comes up to me and says, I just have this psalm for you. I don't know why the Lord told me to give this to you. And she reads this psalm, and I start laughing. She's like, why are you laughing? I said, that is the psalm that we dedicated our daughter to. That in the time of trouble, this is what the psalm says, in the time of trouble, you will set me above on a rock above my enemies, and you will rescue me. I phoned my wife. I said, she's, she's fine. We didn't hear from her for another 18 hours. Yeah, we're all good. We're experiencing aftershocks, but we're good. God is with you. Amen? So my MS story, let me finish with that. So I confess my sin of not trusting God, my anger at Him. Felt He should have come through for me. And then I have this experience. I'm on a 24-hour silence retreat. It's hard for a pastor to be silent for 24 hours. Trust me right there. <clears throat> that in itself is supernatural. So I'm, I'm in, just walking around in na nature and I, alone in my room and then going for walks and praying and just being quiet, quiet, listening, listening. I have a vision. And I've only had a few of them in my life. But this was as real as it gets. 
So in my vision, I see this little baby, probably as the age of some of these boys here today, and he's just maybe a little bit older, like two years old, three years old. He's weeping, and he is in this dirty brown and yellow tattered robe, and his face is dirty, and his hair is unkempt, and his tears are streaking down his brown cheeks because of the dirt. Are you following me? He is forlorn. He's been abandoned. This is how he feels. And, and, and I knew right away I was that child. And then suddenly, all I see is the torso of this person who is like awesome. And he's got this white robe and it's trimmed in gold and it's beautiful. And he picks up the child and the child is straining against this, this person. I know right away this person is a father. And it's the father of that child. And I'm going to tell you guys, I wish, I wish I could tell you this. I wish I could have you feel what I experienced. The immovable grip, it was unbreakable. The grip of this father on this child. And this child was straining against, and, and, and it's like, remember when you were a kid and you got lost in the mall and your, kid, your parents find you and then you start hitting them on the chest like, you left me here. <laughs> no, honey, I didn't leave you here. Thank God you're okay. You ever been there? I- I've been there. And so I'm, I'm straining against this, but I'm going to tell you, this, this grip that this father had, you guys, was so immovable. It was like granite, yet it wasn't crushing me. I couldn't break away. You see, even when I strained against him, listen to me, he would not let me go. In fact, he never had. And so I'm in this dream, and, and suddenly, as I, I finally give in to the Father's embrace, I, I begin to lay on his breast, and his breast is just this beautiful, like, terry cloth robe, and it's trimmed in gold, and, and I, I'm, get, I'm getting held by him, and, I, and I'm weeping and kind of the sobbing, you know, as parents and kids do. And, and, and suddenly, my robe begins to change from that dirty brown robe to a white robe, just like my father's. And it's trimmed in gold, just like my father's. And suddenly my face is cleaned up and my hair is now cut and my face is washed. My, and suddenly my demeanor changes and I'm smiling and I'm, a whole, I'm being held by the dad. And I'm kind of that kid looking around when he's being held by his dad. And I'm all happy now. And this is what God was saying. He's saying, Greg, you're that child. I've never let you go. You can trust me. Now, I'm not healed of MS yet. But I'm trusting God in the midst of it. It's my cup. I can curse the bitter dregs, or I can drink the cup and keep going. My Father is faithful. Amen? So what do you see? So for me, church, I saw the cup. For five years, that's all I saw. The band, come on back. That's all I saw was the cup. And, you know, I stopped forgetting that he was present with me. He was unshakable. He was merciful. He was loving. And as I started to write the words... As I began to recall the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, that He has been a good Father. How many of you know the cup is still there, but I'm losing the cup now? 
I'm losing sight of the cup because I'm seeing everything else. How about you? What are some words as you're facing the cup of your life today? Maybe you're facing the cup that everyone in the world's facing right now and it's hard. It's a bitter cup. You don't want to drink that cup. But your Father is for you. He is not against you. And you can trust Him and you can yield your life to Him. Give me some words that you see in the midst of your cup. Come on. Caring? I saw care. I heard caring. What else? Shout it out. Faithful. Beautiful. Go ahead. Patient. Go ahead. Trusting. Beautiful. Somebody else. Great, gracious and sanctified. So holy. Sanctification. Great. You're being purified. Beautiful. And we had one over here. Gracious, forgiving. Beautiful. Are you guys getting this? Present, happy. Guys, I could fill the board. Are you with me? This is Thanksgiving Sunday. It's time to reset our focus off of the cup. The cup's still there. But God is with you in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. Well, let's bow our heads for a moment. We're going to pray. some of you here today, it's time just to reveal the truth to the Father and say, God, I need to be truthful with you. I need to be truthful with you. I need to be truthful. This sucks. I'm not happy with the cup I'm drinking. I'm facing. If that's you, you know what? Just start by acknowledging that before God. Like I had to acknowledge it before that other person. Raise your hand right now. Wave at me and say, Pastor Greg, I need to walk in trust and I need to be honest with God. I need to be honest. Yes. There are other hands. Yes. 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 Across this whole place, many hands going up. Hallelujah. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking that moment of honesty before the Father. Amen. And for some of you, you just need to stop staring at the cup and you need to start exercising your muscles called thanksgiving. By the way, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The cup's still there. It's bitter, but he's better. Amen? And we can do that. And here's the last one, the hard one, the difficult one for me, the difficult one for all of us, is to relinquish your control in the midst of having to face the bitter cups of this life and say, God, I trust you right now. If that's you and God is saying, I need you to let some things go, I need you to let some things go, I need you to lay them down before me, you know what? You, you have, don't wait five years like me. Don't do that. Today, say, God, I release control of my life. I let it go. If that's you, raise your hand with me and say, 
By the way, every day I got to do this. Every day, every day, every day I want to take back control. Every day I'm a control freak. Man, God, have mercy on me. You built me as a control freak. God, help, 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 help. Amen? Amen. It's crazy. I control, I try to control the craziest things in my life. It, it's like insane. I can barely balance my checkbook and I'm trying to control the world. Like what is going on? If that's you, give me a wave. Say, Pastor, help me. I pray together with you. My controlling nature, I lay it down before the Father and ask him for help. Help God rescue me from this world. Lastly, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I, I need to have a relationship with God. I don't know this God. I need to come into fellowship and relationship with him. Jesus, he's come all the way to you guys. He's come all the way to you. And he's saying, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I love you. Won't you let me into your life and into your situation and into the cup that you have to drink? Let me drink it with you. If that's you here today and you're saying, I need to make a relationship with God my priority, I need you to wave at me and say, Pastor Greg, that's me. I had to make that decision. I was 20 years old in a church like this, eight days before my 21st birthday, and to say, God, I surrender. I didn't even know what I was doing, other than to say, I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. If that's you, give me a wave. Be bold. Jesus was bold for you when he went to the cross. You be bold right now for him and say, Lord, here I am. Give me my life as an offering. If that's you watching online right now, the greatest decision you're ever going to make is to say, God, yes, come in and dwell with me, live with me, walk with me, help me to live with you and for you. Amen? Let us know that you made that commitment online. Let's give a hand to those that made a commitment today. Amen. Hallelujah.